We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. here of setting the pace we have a new starting five but we have these same co-hosts as we always do michael jamal tinsley fachi fachi what's going on brother tinsley had some years he did uh but man i mean i i think i'm uh probably doing a little bit better than indiana pacers tonight if you came for offense you were a little bit let down <laughs> you saw some defense but uh ugh. tonight was an ugly one that i would like to move past but alex you were in the building not against just anybody, a certain someone made his return tonight. Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason I said Jamal Tinsley was because it felt like a middle 2000s type of game in terms of the scoring, yeah. 87, 82. But Oladipo did return. And that was, um, you know, I, I got off work a little bit late tonight. So I got into the arena as they were playing the tribute video, which was pretty fitting. I didn't actually catch all of it. I caught the tail end of it. And I was kind of waiting to, to hear how the reaction was after the video. And it was like, um, I didn't hear any boos. I heard a couple different hand claps, but not like uh, uh, a standing ovation for no, Oladipo. And then when he was introduced, when he came into the game, I would say the only people I really heard booing, uh, booing was Turner's block. And everybody else just kind of didn't cheer or there was a couple that did. So um, I think clutch points on Twitter, something about the Pacers like drowned it out Oladipo with boos. I don't know if they had the the heat broadcast and the heat broadcast just mic'd up area uh, uh, Turner's block to try to get as many boos as possible to to really force a narrative but that wasn't there. But I recorded it from right where I was sitting at, and if you go back and listen, I mean, you can barely hear anything. So it, it seemed like Pacer fans that were at the game could really have cared less about Oladipo returning. From the TV perspective, that's how it seemed. There was no roaring crowd like you mentioned. There were no boos. You couldn't hear it. It just kind of like 
happened. And I was like, okay, well, that was a nice touch by the Pacers. I mean, you know, some of the best memories over the last five plus years, you know, as a Pacer fan involve Victor Oladipo. So I felt like that was nice. And, you know, some time has passed, but there was definitely that the crowd was not overly, you know, in it any way, like when Paul George made his return to Indiana. I mean, that was like a hostile type of environment of booze. Oladipo did not get it, but sadly, it's kind of rough scene. I know this is only like his fourth game on the year, but I mean, offensively, five points, scoreless at halftime. He had some good assists, some nice ones, but this is just a far cry from the Oladipo that we were used to seeing in Indiana. So cool to see him back on the court, but uh, did not, you know, did not look like the guy we all remember. No, he really wanted to get that last second shot off at the end of the third quarter. Jalen Smith got the steal. I mean, Oladipo just does not have the same separation capability as they used to have, nor does he have the same handle that he used to have. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's he's a work in progress. Don't get me wrong. He's been injured pretty much since we traded him. So, you know, uh, I wasn't expecting anything from him. But what I will say is, whoo, Tyrese Halliburton, Fachi, this was ugly. One point the entire game. And... That came off a made free throw that was assessed to Kyle Lowry, who argued a call because Kyle Lowry, that's what he does when he flops and doesn't get foul calls. So, you know, honestly, like this Heat team is not fun to watch at all. I have zero interest in watching them play. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's just like they don't excite me whatsoever. They're a very boring team. And it's not it's not just Kyle Lowry. Jimmy Butler does it all the time. Every time they shoot, they fall to the ground trying to create contact, trying to get a foul call. It's just annoying to watch. It's it's an annoying brand of basketball to watch. But I will say this defensively tonight, the Miami Heat did the best job on Tyrese Halliburton I've seen out of any team so far in this NBA season. I mean, the Pacers' offense really struggled, and it's because Miami, in my opinion, limited Tyrese's uh, ability to get any open looks for anybody or himself. Absolutely. I mean, you have to tip your hat to what, the Heat did defensively. I mean, this is an all-star level play you're talking about, Tyrese Halliburton, and the Heat took him out. I mean, even just holding him to six assists, that's not like Halliburton, let alone holding him to, you know, 19 points below what he averages on the year. So super impressive in the worst way for us. Um, but, man, Miami, that's what they preach over there, d- defensive, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it showed on a night like tonight where, you know, they made us play ugly. The Pacers are not the type of team that's going to beat anybody scoring sub 100 points. I mean, it's going to be as rare as it gets, but scoring 82 points, that's not going to get it done against anyone. And when you want to look at just the the sheer numbers of, of 35% from the field for the Pacers, yeah, it's gross. But <laughs> Miami was just about as gross at 38.6% from the field. And the Pacers, we talked about, it, if they're not getting that three ball to fall, it's hard for them to beat just about anyone. 11 of 39 from three tonight. It's not going to get it done with the style the Pacers play. But rebounding-wise, even though we didn't win the battle tonight, Alex, we at least looked respectable on the glass against Miami, only being out-rebounded by three. I guess that's a pat on the back for the Pacers. Yeah, I mean, the, the rebounding wasn't a problem tonight, even though there's a lot of missed shots here in this game. So you got to give them credit for that. I will say this. It's very rare that you see the Pacers have more turnovers than they do assist. 18 turnovers to 16 assists. That's a really bad ratio. Uh, Miami had 23 assists to 14 turnovers, so they were a positive in that. And then you look at points in the paint. You know, Miami had 10 more points in the paint. Fast break points, Pacers had six more. There really weren't that many, though. Just 12 for the Pacers, and that's something that they have 
done a really good job of is playing fast and getting out in the fast break and putting up points that way. When they have to play half-court offense, it's not been good for them anytime they've played half-court offense this season. And, you know, I, I thought there towards the end of the game they were going to make a little bit of a push there. I think they were down four, and I'm trying to figure out why they threw the ball to Miles Turner in the corner. Um, I did not understand that play at all, even though I thought Miles actually had a pretty decent game. You know, he did. He he played well. I thought like it was not good early on. Like in the second quarter, Bam had like thirteen and eight in a block, and Miles was like you know two points, two rebounds, and maybe a maybe a block or two. And it was like he kind of had a nice little eruption there in the second quarter, and then part of the third. But yeah, I just I just felt like mostly here, Miami's defense was the story in this game in terms of holding the Pacers to, you know, not playing the style they like to play. And I just feel like that's the kind of game Miami likes to play is uh, muck it up. And they threw some weird one three one zones at us as well. And a lot of guys weren't just getting looks. I mean, honestly, it just it, it just was a very low-scoring game and something that you were waiting in the arena like, we're waiting for an offensive eruption, and it just never happened. And I think that did, like, you could kind of feel it a little bit probably on the TV as well, like, the crowd was engaged when they could be, but it was just hard to be engaged when it was such a low-scoring game. The highest-scoring quarter was the first quarter. I mean, that's how low-scoring Miami scored 26 mm. points. So uh, it was it was frustrating to watch. I mean, we obviously talked about Halliburton's struggles in this game, but there's a couple of different things we can go. And, and let's talk about the lineup situation. I mean, we, we said, what are the Pacers going to do with Jalen Smith? Because he's obviously been struggling. You promised him the starting four role. And tonight we saw, you know, pretty early into the season, this is the 28th game, him come off the bench. And Alex, to be honest, tell me if I'm wrong, I didn't see him play minutes with Turner. And if he did, it was very early on. But they seemed very separate in this game. And uh, Go look at Miami's stats. You'll see mm -hmm. Bam Adebayo, 35 minutes. Miles Turner, 35 minutes. Yep. Dwayne Dedman, 13 minutes. Jalen Smith, 13 minutes. Spot on. They match the minutes perfectly with their rotations. That's what they were trying to do. We know Miami plays a little bit smaller. So I'm curious, is this a one-time lineup change based on our opponent? Or is this a permanent, hey, Jalen, you're going to start coming off the bench? Because to me, I I felt like this is one of those things where maybe it's a permanent thing and they're trying to go look at it smaller. But I think this might be more matchup predicated because Isaiah Jackson did not get into the rotation whatsoever. And, And to me... That is something they could have missed in this game is having an elite lob threat presence because we know Jalen and Miles aren't those kind of guys. No, they're not. And I I did think that was pretty weird that, you know, Isaiah Jackson had been good for right around that 12, 13 minutes per game mark. And just to not get in period, I don't know. It was an interesting move. I felt like Jalen Smith tried to scrap defensively at times. He had three steals and a block in this game. You know, you mentioned how he dove on the floor when Oladipo got stripped. Uh, but I feel like he was active, but just didn't have it offensively. And Isaiah Jackson yeah. brings something different to the table that could have been could have been needed in this game. The bench, it was rough. It was rough tonight. I mean, you're talking about Jalen Smith and O'Shea combined to go 0 for 9. TJ McConnell was was 3 of 5. Nothing wrong with that. Just but he was a minus 14 in the game. And then Benedict Matherin. Alex, I, I got the very specific minutes for you. And, and I wanna I wanna break them down over here. So okay. Benedict Matherin ends up playing um, in in the third quarter. He plays at the 550 mark in the third, all the way down to the 549 mark in the fourth. So basically plays a full quarter straight right over there. But then he gets taken out at that five minute, 49 second mark, doesn't come back in 
until there's about a minute and a half left. By then, when he left, it was 74-72. When he comes back in, it's 84-77. I felt like bringing him back in in that minute and a half, it was not a great usage of why did he play a, a basically a quarter straight of basketball and come out at the time that he did. I felt like it was a, a rough time to yank him, but he had already played too much at that point. Yeah, so I think there's a couple things you can look at here. Um, I, I'm trying to remember who came in for him at that time. I know that he... I, I believe uh, it was Nemhard. I want to say. Nemhard uh, and Buddy checked back in. I know that because Buddy was with the second unit around the eight-minute mark. He was subbed out, and I think that's when... Um, I want to say Neesmith came back into the game. I'm not I'm not sure, Might but I know so. I know Buddy came out early when he was playing with that second unit because we only played nine players, right? Mm -hmm. So that's Buddy was kind of running with the second unit a little bit, which is still something that I'm not in love with Buddy and, and Matherin playing together a ton. Yeah. But you know, we, we know Buddy's offense was kind of keeping us in this game. And I, I thought Aaron Neesmith had a really good game tonight, Fachi, once did. again. I mean he was active early and kind of set the tone, was very physical, and I, I think that that's what they were hoping to have with Jimmy Butler out there, Kyle Lowry, uh, Caleb Martin. Like, is it Caleb or Cody? I always forget. I think it's Caleb. But Yeah, I believe it's Caleb. Yeah, and so, you know, they're a physical team. Bam's physical, so you want another physical guy out there. It's interesting because Matherin, like the game before we talked about it, he didn't even come in until there was an, uh, somebody fouled out or injuries like or whatever. like two and a half minutes left in the game. Yeah, and this one – I don't think he comes back in if Neesmith doesn't have that shoulder injury. So Neesmith was fighting for a loose ball and they ended up calling like a kickball on him or something like that or a foul. Uh, he was grimacing and holding a shoulder. And so Carlisle yelled for Matherin to come into the game and close it out. And, you know, I, I just feel like why are we messing with the rotation when we've seen Benedict close with Nimhard, Buddy, Tyrese, and Miles all season long for the most part? Why are we messing with it? It doesn't make a lot of sense. Even if Neesmith is having a great game, like, you got to figure out who who it's you know is is Matherin really been that bad? I mean, I know he's not shooting the ball particularly well, but nobody shot well in this game, and no. Miami's defense was lights out. So, you know, I mean, the Pacers played good defense too for the most part. I thought Nimhart was great defensively. I thought Miles was really solid, and, and same with Neesmith. I'm not going to uh, discredit what he did as well, but yeah, I just I just don't understand. I mean, they Matherin's young enough. Take him out for a minute or two, maybe around the six minute mark. Put him back in around the three minute mark. You know. Whatever, just let him close games out because this is what this season's about, getting him that experience and putting him on the floor with your best players because if that's going to be your core moving forward or, or, or some to some degree, I want to see him out there in crunch time. Of course. I mean, the Pacers had numerous, like roughly four-minute stretches where they would just go scoreless, and I just felt like he's someone that at any point can get to the free-throw line. You know, can, 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 you know, just create – create some traffic, kick it out. I know it's not gonna, he's not going to be a guy who's going to rack up assists or anything, but he changes the defense for the Heat. So I, I think in this game, they should have given him a rest earlier, brought him back in you know, earlier. He could have came out just like you mentioned. I don't know. Maybe it's at the eight-minute mark and comes back in at, at the five or six, whatever, whatever it is. We needed him down the stretch, and I, I felt like it was very weird to take him out at the five-minute, 49-second mark. He should have gotten that rest earlier, but – Man, we saw some changes uh, in, in the lineup. I, Ijax, I think, will be back. Uh, Jalen Smith, like you mentioned, I don't know if he's back in the starting lineup. I don't know if this was necessarily just a one-game type of thing. I, we Rick mentioned he would experiment with lineups. That's what he said after the mm -hmm. Nets game. This is most definitely an experiment. I don't think anyone's going to say it was a great one today, the way that the Pacers you know, shot the ball and uh, you know, just really didn't have that much going on. But I think this is a game that you really want to – kind of forget about and but I got to give Neesmith his flowers real quick uh we talked about it 
12 points, six boards, two steals, three blocks. Early on, seven points in the first eight minutes of the game. I felt like he looked confident early on. So it was nice to see that. And you know, Miles Turner, double-double, 15 points, 13 boards, four blocks. Felt you know more of like the vintage Miles we were seeing in the beginning of the year. And Nemhard, who we didn't touch on, just silently real good. 18 points, five boards. Didn't look like he took over a game by any point. It was just steady. Actually, the only pacer who shot. Uh, you know, 50% or more with, you know, more than, than five field goals attempted. So, mm. you know, overall, not the kind of game that you really want to remember. If you want to talk about rebounding before, um, Miami Heat only had nine offensive rebounds this yeah. time. That's a, that's a it's a big 20 offensive rebound difference from the game against the Nets. So I guess I can't complain too much other than we got our work cut out for us, Alex. No, we do. And that's why we kind of brought it up last episode, giving you guys a a, a rundown of the schedule. And I think somebody tweeted it at me tonight. I'm sorry. I can't remember exactly who it was, but they said, I think that November was a fun month, but we're starting to come back down to earth. We are 500 now. Yeah. And, and honestly, we expected that after the road trip, we thought, okay, it's been fun. I'm enjoying it, but I'm not going to get stuck here in La La Land thinking this is something special. I, I wanted to see it for longer. It was too short of a sample size to, really buy into this team altogether. And while they are a fun team, while they have good young players that are developing, other teams are starting to figure out who they are too. And that's when it gets, you know, tough in the NBA is we always see teams get off to hot starts in the NBA. And honestly, when you start off hot, you are the talk of the league for a very long time. And probably till the trade deadline when you start to fall off a little bit. I mean, we, we remember the magic team that started off so hot Oh, yeah. Uh, when they had Vooch before they in- ended up trading him, like they started off really hot. They kind of came back down to earth and they ended up trading some of their vets. But before that, everyone's like, is this magic team real? Like, no, they're not real. We the, we all knew that. So the Cleveland Cavaliers of last year, I mean, mm, whoop, yeah. that, everybody thought they were the hottest thing on earth for a bit. You know, third in the East didn't even make the playoffs. So you know, <laughs> they made the play in at least made the play in. Yeah. Whatever that's worth anymore. But you know, it just feels like uh, life comes at you quick, but it wasn't all awful news because we got an injury update on Chris Duarte. Oh yeah. And this got me pretty excited. So Duarte practiced with the mad ants today. The plan is for him to play in the Mad Ants games on Wednesday and Friday before re- being reevaluated to come back, it feels like help is on its way. Yeah, I mean, maybe we're a couple weeks away. You know, we're probably at the point now where Carlisle's saying days, not weeks, instead yep, of weeks, yep. not months, right? Mm-hmm. For, for, for Chris Duarte's return. Um, it was actually pretty funny. Chris Duarte sang a Christmas song today, and they, they did a mass singer segment with Oladipo in the building. And, uh, yeah, they guess Buddy healed the, the fan that was playing the game. Thought it was Buddy, but it was actually Chris Duarte singing Jingle Bells, and it was pretty pretty horrific. So hopefully we don't have to worry about him going on the mass Singer anytime while he's going through this injury, and he's able to get back to rehabbing his ankle and getting everything ready for uh, his return to the NBA because the Pacers do miss his shooting. And I think in a game like tonight, this is where you need a lights-out three-point shooter, and we've seen Duarte do it consistently. What did he shoot last year? Was it 37 and a half percent? 38 yeah, percent? It was. It was like 37 yeah. and a half. Yeah. So, I mean, going up to the top of my head, like that's just from reciting those stats throughout the offseason, right? I mean, he shot the ball well last year and he shot it at a pretty efficient rate. So, you want him to be healthy. He's a good defender. And honestly, I'm not even saying, oh, well, we need him back because so and so can't play. It's like, no, we just need him back because he's a good player. 
I, I think Andrew Nimhart honestly might have been uh, under the radar smart, uh, not smart, bright spot of this game today, Vachi. Just another solid defensive performance by him. If you if you can just pay attention to him on like a couple of different defensive possessions throughout the game, just like hone in on what he's doing and watch how many guys he gets switched on to and how many guys he's hitting. And it's just, he works his butt off defensively. And I understand why so many people have been raving about that defense when, when they talk about it. It's just like, watch him play. He is everywhere taking charges. He is just impacting the game so much and he doesn't ever get rattled. He doesn't usually jump on jump shots either. When He just contests smartly. I'm telling you what, uh, it's, it's going to be hard to replace Nimhart out of the starting lineup whenever they figure out what the rotations are because he has been so, so impactful defensively. He really does. And even with Duarte's return, I don't think this is going to be, all right, Duarte's in the starting line. I just don't see it that way. I, I strongly believe he'll be coming off the bench to start. Jalen Smith right over here, I, I, I do think this could last more than a game of him coming off the bench. So it's going to be interesting, but I don't think that you could take Nemhart out, just like you mentioned. Uh, it's been honestly real solid and uh it, it's honestly crazy to even think that if he had hit the game tying shot against the nets from three the man would have been cemented as a legend like it, it's like, he already is it, yeah like that's how crazy things were about to get for andrew nemhart if he somehow <laughs> hit that shot it, he was going to be known as like the chosen one for the pacers so mm-hmm. you know that would have been wild but it, this was a game that just the Pacers had shots. I mean, we we didn't really bring it up, but they were down by as much as 19. Yeah, they had a great second quarter comeback to close out the half. Yeah, like you look at this 87-82, ew. But then it's like the Pacers were down by 19, clawed back and led by as like as many as like six in this game. So mm. they had opportunities, and this would have been a quality win if you had come back from as many as 19 down to, to take it. But the Pacers already beat the Heat once. That was without Jimmy Butler. You could start to see when they do, you know, when teams do have their main players, it's harder for the Pacers to sneak up on them like they did, you know, before. But also Jimmy Butler, man, I mean, down the stretch when they needed him, he was there. Fourth quarter, I think he rattled off about seven straight points for the Heat. And it was really when the Heat pushed ahead. And the Pacers are still kind of searching for that closer right now. The Heat, they know who they're going to when when times are tough. Yeah, it was 74-73. Jimmy Butler had the ball in his hands. He found Kyle Lowry right open for a three, made it a four-point game. Buddy, after a timeout, I thought it was going to be a three, but they ruled it a two, and they confirmed it, cut the lead to two, and this is where Jimmy kind of went off. He hit a free throw, or he hit a layup, got fouled, made the free throw, put the lead back up to five, hits another two-point shot, makes it a seven-point game, hits another two-point shot, makes it a nine-point game. And then after that, it was just kind of like, okay, um, that was the end of the game. And that you could feel it. Like, he just hit the dagger because the Pacers couldn't score, and Jimmy just kept going back, hitting a jumper, hitting a shot. And the end one, when they made it a five-point game, I was like, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a tough one. And then when he ex- extended the lead to nine, just too much at that point. Like, we were struggling to score four or five points in a row. It's like there's no way we're getting to nine points here. <laughs> like I, no, even as no. even as fun as this Pacer team has been offensively, but yeah. So I mean, honestly, I, I will say this. I think one more talking point here before we go. It's just I, I feel like Benedict Matherin is not getting the same foul calls he was getting early on. I feel like teams are kind of abusing him when he comes to the lane, and even if you want to say he's out of control, he's been getting hit a lot, and they're not calling it. Now tonight's game was pretty physical. I saw some people on. Twitter complaining about the officiating. I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was pretty consistent both ways. 
And, you know, I mean, everyone is going to be biased when it's your home team, then you lose a game. So whatever. But, you know, I, I felt like Matherin, when he did drive, he had some, he got, you know, got to the free throw line twice, had four or four from the free throw line, but I think he could have got there more. I just feel like, you know, David Thorpe talked about, he just needs to keep shooting threes. He's a good shooter. Well, he's just not confident right now from three. You can just see it when he's shooting the ball. He's not playing with the same confidence. And they've got to do something to start getting him better looks and getting him more involved in the offense. I feel like he's kind of become the secondary offensive player for the majority of the the time he's out there, and he's trying to pick and choose the spots and instead of them saying, hey, move out of the way. Ben's got the ball. Let's run it through Ben. They're not doing that as much as they were. And I, I'm not sure what the reason is for that, Pachi. Maybe you have a, an answer to that, but – it just feels like they need to start allowing him to get more involved as a primary guy. I think so. I I think that they've, uh, you know, kind of, I don't know, not, not giving him as much of the green light as before, but just kind of looking at some things right now from three point land this month, he's four of 30. This was a guy that coming into the month, I believe was shooting about 42% from three. Mm-hmm. So that's a big difference right over there. He's gone cold from three and, He's tried. I mean, tonight, one of six for three, you know, against Washington, two of seven. So there's been games 0 of six against Golden State, one of five uh, against Minnesota from three. So even games where he's gotten the shots up just right now, I think he's kind of in and not not by any means hitting a rookie wall, but it's a long season. You know, he's kind of mm-hmm. having that stretch right now where, you know, for it looked like he turned around against Washington going eight of 15. But there's been a lot of games this this month where he struggled shooting, you know, 30% from the field, 25%. So I know he'll get through it. He, he's he's a player that I think needs to kind of learn that the NBA is not going to come easy. you got to keep putting in that work, and, and he will. I'm yeah. confident that he will, you know, remain confident and right this ship, get it going, and be the guy that is, you know, a, in the talks for rookie of the year and sixth man of the year. Yeah, I mean, if you look at his shot chart tonight, all of his misses mostly came from the top left of the three-point line. And – uh I would kind of like to see him maybe get some more looks on the baseline. Just like we see we see Neesmith get some of these looks throughout the game when when players drive and they they step off of Neesmith to try to, you know, keep the penetration from the point guard or whoever down. Neesmith will catch and shoot from the corner. Maybe get Ben some looks like that because I've seen Ben hit some of those. I think the one when he had a great game against the Timberwolves in that second quarter where he when we were talking about him looking like Michael Jordan Vachi, oh, yeah. That? oh yeah. The first shot he hit was a corner three. Mm-hmm. And I think little things like that, if he just sees one or two go, he's going to be confident. It's it's very similar to Lance, right? Oh, yeah. When Lance saw one or two go in, I mean, you knew that that night was going to be special. You did. So did. I think that's maybe something they can look at. And I felt, and I mean, I could be wrong, felt like some of these threes were like late in the shot clock. The, the There's a lot of opening. Yeah. The last two threes that he took were just like, game was over you just got to get something up yeah so you know i know it doesn't look good seeing one of six but it was pretty much one of four you know before he kind of just had to jack them up at the end of the game and nothing in rhythm and that's the problem yeah like buddy hill's constantly getting looks in the offense because they're running stuff for him and half the time you just see matherin standing there it's like i know they're not the same player but please run some action for him so he can get going because when he plays well the team looks night and day different they just look so much better when when he's playing at his level of of that way that we saw early on, like that level early on where he was really good. And now it looks like he's just like, uh, oh, he's a good rookie that's coming off the bench and you know scoring here and there, but he's not been as impactful. Uh, so did he have eighteen against Washington? That's you know yeah. 
that was a game he felt he was really impactful, but the last two games, even against a bad Brooklyn team, he really didn't get the looks that he probably should have gotten. No, no, he he hasn't, but you could take it on the flip side. Jabari Smith Jr., who at one point looked like the number one pick, started the year atrociously and has picked it up where Matherin started the year absolutely out of his mind on fire and now has just kind of leveled as like a, a, a very good rookie. But before it was like, whoa, this guy's looking like, you know, face of the franchise alpha scorer type. Where now it's like he's still averaging 18 on the year, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's true. I would say probably over the last 10 games, Nimhard has had a better case in yeah. terms of the better rookies just because of what he does, but he's also getting a lot more playing time. Mm-hmm. And I think that is helping as well. But that's that's all I have on that. Anything else you want to say before you sign off for about a week? Uh no, yeah, I will be. I'll be out of town. I'll be on a work trip. But uh, at the same point, hey, the show goes on. That's why Alex and I are recording this late to give you guys some content for Tuesday together. But Alex, I know you will keep the show going. Yeah, we'll have something out for you guys probably Thursday. Not sure yet what time that'll be coming out, but it might be late Thursday night. Uh, just keep an eye on uh, eye out for that. I'm not sure who I'm going to bring on yet, but that'll that'll. That'll be all figured out by Thursday, so no worries there. But with that being said, Fachi, let people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. You can find us on Facebook at SettingThePace. You can find us on TikTok at SettingThePace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Go to YouTube.com slash SettingThePace, a Pacers podcast, our latest Interview with the great coach of David Thorpe is available there to watch. If you haven't already listened to it on this podcast feed, what a phenomenal interview we had there, Fachi. I put a little clip out today uh, on our TikTok, on our Instagram, and on my personal Twitter page where David Thorpe kind of tells you who he thinks Andrew Nimhard might become. And I will just say this, if that's the case, I think the front office would be ecstatic <laughs> for who the player is that uh, Coach Thorpe thinks Andrew Nimmar can become but with that being said if you're hoping for safe travels to Washington DC and for the Pacers to sweep the Golden State Warriors on Wednesday night then say these three words let's go Pacers setting the pace going to the top setting the pace going to the top this is your number one podcast sweeping every team we gonna need a mop This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.